here and I am so excited to be with you this morning because here at First Presbyterian Church we're serious about our mission. Our mission is real relationships, real transformation and what we mean by that is when we connect with authenticity to Jesus Christ and to each other the next thing you know all kinds of great stuff starts happening and what I'm also excited about this morning is you understanding what's happening right out here on this piece of property. If you look it has begun. Yes, yes. And the reason it, we're excited because there's intrinsic value in having a building, but that building is going to help us have even a deeper impact on the community through real relationships, real transformation. That's going to be a transformation factory, and that's why I'm excited about it. Anyhow, go take a look afterwards. You'll see they're taking the trees up in the root ball so that we can put concrete down. It won't shift later on. It's all awesome. How's that? Are we excited? Well, online, folks, get in your car and drive over here if you live in the city and see it. If you don't live in this city, when you're here, come see it. We want you to connect with First Presbyterian Church if you're online or if you're here in the building. And what we mean by that is how can we help you get engaged? How can we help you find a place to connect with other people? How can you jump in on some of the things we do that are service-oriented? 
We have a way for you to do that by filling out a Connect card. It's here online, as you can see. You can do the QR code. They're out, physical copies out in the welcome tent, but also you can go online and do it. So we'd love to know that you're here and you want to connect, and we'll follow up with you immediately, and that's a promise that we always keep. Well, this is Sunday. December 18th, next Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock is Christmas Eve. We're having one Christmas Eve worship service. It's at the Palmasia Golf and Country Club, and so we're just going to pack that place out, and I think it's going to be a little chilly, huh? It's going to feel like Christmas. So that's what we're doing next Sunday, so be there. The following day, Christmas Day, I mean next Saturday, the following day, there's nothing. We won't be here. Don't come here. We'll have nothing here. The week from Sunday, January 1, we're having one worship service at 10 o'clock. Does that all make sense? We're Christmas Eve, we're going to rock the place, nothing on Christmas Day, one worship service on January 1, all for kind of obvious reasons. I forgot to mention these. You are welcome to take up to half of them, so you can take one home. We want you to take them home because nobody's going to come get them after today. So we want you to take half of them and leave the other half for the folks who come in here at 1030. Does that make sense? So if you walk up and it looks like more than half are gone, too late. One last thing I wanted you to know before I pray, and that's this. Hurricane Ian has, continues to have its effects wreck the lives of people, and we continue to stay related to the folks in Cape Coral, Faith Presbyterian Church. There are two or three homes that we're going one day, down and back, no overnight, Saturday, January 14th. Tim Glisson and Kathy and a few others are helping organize this for families, for teenagers, etc. So you want to call Kathy, go on the website, etc. If you want to go down and back, get up in the morning, go down, work about four or five hours and turn around and come back. Tom Berry also is involved in it. So that's on Sunday, uh, Saturday, January 14th. So we're still trying to help those folks out and folks simply haven't been able to recover yet, lost their property, and we're going to go help keep a, put a couple of houses back together. How's that? I'm going to pray for us now. Gracious God, here we are to gather together a family of faith, celebrating the Messiah who breaks into our lives. And we remember that there's a difference between celebrating Jesus and this great festival we had, which is also fun, the celebration of what people call the holidays. But what we want to do is be clear that this is about Jesus who loves us and who has rescued us and who transforms us into new people. And that's why we're gathered. And we're going to keep having parties. But what we want to really do is focus in on the king of the universe. And that is who has gathered us together. We are his loyal subjects. We're your sons and daughters. And therefore, as a family, we're brothers and sisters. Help us to do everything we do that way, including opening our hearts to the challenges and difficulties and, and the pain even of some people's lives. So we pray for Tony Crosby, the picture-taking lady, whose sister Terry died of cancer yesterday. Gracious God, we pray for the Kazin family, for our colleague Jimmy, who spent many years since 1999 helping make First Pres happen, and his dad Al died last week. And Jimmy and his brother Richie, his brother Chris, his sister Laura, we pray for them as they grieve and as they celebrate Al's life and their relationship with him. Gracious God, we give you thanks because the Lastras are sitting in this room excited because Robert Lastra and Aaron Lastra gave birth this week to Towns Robert Lastra, and we're excited about that. So we pause now, gracious God, having the chance just for a minute to be quiet and allow our hearts to open themselves up to you. take in a deep breath 
gracious God, of Messiah. And we're here today because any and every experience we have with you, Messiah, King, is better than our wildest dreams. And that's why we're here. We sing, we celebrate, we gather in the name of Jesus who lived and died and lived again and is enthroned. He is our King. We love him. We love you. Amen. Good morning. I have been uh, camping out in a verse lately, and I wanted to share it with y'all. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But before I read it to you, um, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's explaining to them that before you know Jesus, when you look at the Lord, it's as if you have a veil over your face. God is dull to you. You can't see him clearly. But when we come to know Jesus, when we begin a relationship with him, Jesus lifts the veil. And he says this, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I also love the message translation. It says, Nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our life and we become like him. When the veil is lifted, when we come to know Jesus, we are like him, reflecting him to a world who so desperately needs us. So that when people look at us, they see the brightness of Jesus, they see the brilliance of Jesus, they see the glory of Jesus. And our lives are transformed. We get to do that and we get to be that. Especially during this Advent season, Jesus uses us to be hope, peace, joy, and love to the city of Tampa. And we do that with our time. We do it with the words that we say to one another to encourage each other, and we also do it with our finances. We reflect God's glory to this city, and so thank you for the ways that you do that, for the ways that you allow God to transform you. And here are six ways that you can partner with us, six ways that you can help us uproot trees next door, six ways that you can help little children sing the glories of Jesus. You get to be a partner in it, and so thank you for that. stand and let's continue to worship the Lord together.
Morning, everybody. A bunch of us were standing right here and sitting right here yesterday afternoon at 3 p.m. when our director of children's ministry, Rachel Godin, and her team, Charlie and the others, led our children in the most exquisite Christmas children's pageant. It was amazing and beautiful and stunning. So I got here just a few minutes early to see if I could help with anything. And it cer certainly gave me sort of this bird's eye view. Because when you think about a Christmas pageant, we all know basically who the characters are going to be each time and how everyone is going to do their part or they're supposed to do their part. And yesterday, you know, this is actually a picture of a moment when the lights were bright and I could take a good picture so you could see what it looked like. But, you know, in the Christmas pageant, you know, the shepherds are supposed to be amazed by the announcement. Don't show those pictures yet. <laughs> Thank you. They're supposed to be amazed by the announcement of the angels. But yesterday... Our shepherds were more amazed by how fun it is to play push tag with the wise men. And until yesterday, I had no idea that the heavenly host don't look kindly on the fact that if their angel wings are a little bit smaller than someone else's, something's going down. But no one said it better than the angel of the Lord in all her fourth grade glory when she walked up to me and said, I could just scream. <laughs> well, oh my goodness, what's wrong, I asked her. She said, well, I bet that the real angel's outfits aren't as uncomfortable as this one is. <laughs> and apparently her wings were too tight, and she was giving it one of these. But in the next couple of pictures, you'll see that serene moment when the shepherds and the wise men are just really, you know, in sync with each other, even with, even with an animal. But look what comes next. Yeah. 
There you go. But you know what's happening in the hearts of our children here at First Pres? Whether they're participating in the Christmas pageant or pajama jam or Sunday mornings with Charlie and Rachel and their team, they're discovering that any and every experience with Jesus is better than their wildest dreams. Isn't that amazing? And yesterday, as the children started singing the Christmas story to us and telling the Christmas story to us, the story that they called a star is born, which is another way of saying a king is born. And then they started playing the story out on handbells. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I realized that the children were speaking and singing and bringing God's truth to us. And they were bringing it in the form of an invitation. Let earth receive her king is really, will you receive your king? Will you enter into a relationship with Jesus where he is your savior, your Lord, and your king? Because that, I promise you, is an invitation into an experience with Jesus that is better than your wildest dreams. And on Christmas, let's be clear, a king was born, not a religious figure, a king, and not just any king, the king. And everyone understood to say Jesus Christ, to say Jesus the Messiah, is to say the anointed one. That's what Christ and Messiah mean. Christos in Greek, Mashiach in Hebrew. Do you know what that means? We don't even realize it. We say Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. You can also say Jesus, king, the king. And Mary was told by the angel about this baby king. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 1. It's quite a list of his kingship. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is royal language. These are royal titles. And whenever a king is born, whenever there is a regime change, there's also a reshuffling of the status quo in the world and in our lives. Well, I experienced a regime change when my family and I lived in Seoul, Korea when I was seven years old. My father was stationed there. We were one of the very few families allowed to be there. So at Christmas time, all these dads who missed their children were at our house, and we were everybody's kid, which was quite fun. But one night, my sister and I woke up to the most amazing display of fireworks that we had ever seen in our life. 
So we got up on the bed. She's two years younger than me, and we were jumping up and down and hooting and hollering. It was like 4th of July, but we're in Korea. It was just amazing, and it was beautiful until my mother rushed in there and grabbed us by the behind and put us under the beds and kept us there for what seemed like hours because apparently what was happening was a military coup led by Pak Chung-hee. And what was happening in our front yard were tracers. And a tracer, if you don't know it, is a bullet that ignites upon firing, and it creates this pyrotechnic display. So the fireworks were bullets. When there's a regime change, it's good news for some and bad news for others. Pak Chung-hee would not only become president, but it drifted into sort of a dictatorship, and he was ultimately assassinated. When Jesus was born, Israel already had a king, King Herod. And the world already had a son of God. That title was for the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. So King Herod was deeply threatened by the birth of King Jesus because he was crystal clear and didn't miss what you and I often miss or even dismiss, that Jesus is king. Now he, King Herod, was not a Jew, but he aligned with them. He adopted Judaism. He celebrated with them their festivals and worshipped with them and sacrificed animals. He even built Israel its second temple. He was all in. He also understood what Messiah, Mashiach, meant. It meant anointed one, not anointed by any man, by any prophet or priest, but anointed by God himself. Messiah also means the last king, the final king. And this would threaten Herod's understanding of what he wanted to do, which was leave a legacy and have his sons take over the throne. So he was sure that this was a dream that would be ruined by this Messiah, by this Jesus. Ironic, because King Herod was so ruthless and evil and tyrannical that he killed his own wife and two sons because he was sure they were planning a coup to take over and run the place. King Herod was not about to bow to any other king. But will I? Will I bow to the rightful leadership and authority of Jesus the King in my life? What about you? Because Jesus is still King regardless of what you and I do. Is Jesus my King? Is Jesus your King? Because the question that we have to wrestle with when we wake up Every single 
morning. The question that shapes how we read the Bible, the question that shapes the dreams that we have for our lives and the decisions that we are going to make and the way that we prioritize and decide how we're going to spend our time and how we're going to spend our money, the question that we must wrestle with and that we must at least be honest with ourselves about is, is Jesus my king? Is he your king? Because if we say yes, then God will take the dreams that we have for our life and expand them into God-sized dreams that are ultimately an invitation into an experience with Jesus better than our wildest dreams. And sometimes God's dream for you and for me means that we're going to have to choose to do something that we would never have chosen to do. And Joseph, the, the, the husband of Mary, was no exception. Joseph would be confronted with the same choice for the second time. In the Christmas story, Joseph would be told in a dream to choose to do something that he would never have chosen to do. The first time, he was told in a dream to take Mary as his wife, even though she was pregnant. What have you had to choose that was actually chosen for you. You didn't pick it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't ask for it, but you had to choose it and walk in it in faith and trust. That's where we find Joseph this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 2. And in this moment, we have Herod raging trying to track down the wise men to pump them for information on the whereabouts of King Jesus. And this is where we pick up in our story. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. My African friends have taught me to take dreams very seriously. And whenever I'm in a meeting with them, each time after we open in prayer, someone begins the meeting by saying, did anyone have a dream last night that would be important for us to know as we deliberate and pray about God's plans for us? I love that question because that's where we find Joseph. But the story continues. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious, and when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, he sent soldiers 
to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Every single time that I read this story or hear this story, I feel sick to my stomach. I feel like it ruins the Christmas story. I'd rather ignore it. But the truth is, Herod didn't succeed. Jesus escaped to Egypt because Joseph walked in obedience under the authority of his king in trust and faith. And we don't want to miss this as yet another place where we can see that any and every experience with Jesus is better than our wildest dreams because Jesus went to Egypt safely so that he could then grow up and live and then die on the cross and then live again and reign as king to save us all. And yes, King Herod is a heinous, murdering, evil man, but he doesn't get to ruin the Christmas story. This is a sneak peek into the fact that King Jesus is going to fix the problem of evil, which is still better than our wildest dreams. Did you know that Christians in Egypt celebrate this part of the Christmas story? My Egyptian friends who live in North Africa tell me that they call it the feast of Christ's entry into Egypt. If you talk to any African person, they will proudly tell you that Africa was the place that served as a refuge for Jesus and his family. So with presents and pageants and feasts, much like Christmas, the Egyptians celebrate Jesus' escape into their country. And ultimately, the fact that he would grow up and rescue us all from sin and from evil. Joseph was not being told and guided on how to make it through a lousy circumstance. No. Joseph was being invited by God to accept his circumstances, however hard they might be, as a calling from God by bravely choosing to do what God was asking of him, something that he would never have chosen for himself. So when the angel said, get up and go, this would test Joseph's allegiance to the king. You and I are being invited to adopt the same attitude as Joseph by accepting our circumstances, even difficult ones, as a calling from God. This is really personal to me because I can remember a moment in my life when I heard God say, get up and go. 
where he was asking me to choose something that I would never have chosen for myself. It had to do with a very, for me, troubling and difficult job change. And maybe some of you have felt this way too, but this was going to test my allegiance to the king. And it was ridiculously hard for me. For many summers in a row, I would take families from our church and from Tampa Bay, the whole area, to Young Life's family camp in Colorado called Trail West. And for two of those summers, I was the camp speaker. And so one night as I was preparing my message and preparing my heart to deliver an invitation to those gathered that Jesus was inviting them to follow him, I sensed deep in my soul that Jesus was saying to me, Kathy, I want you to follow me. And I want you to choose to do something that you would never choose for yourself. I knew. I knew what he was talking about. I needed no explanation. I just dropped on my knees. I was in tears because I knew that he was I didn't know I was going to lose it. (laughs) Mm, Thank goodness for laughter. It's a little bit of levity in here. (laughs) Ah. Um, I knew that he was asking me to leave my position in Young Life in Tampa. I didn't want to do it. And if you know me, you know why. Somebody laugh at me. (laughs) Thank you. I can always count on my husband. (laughs) And he's actually really laughing at me. I mean, he he is. (laughs) I do. I know. Um, But I knew, I knew it was because I love ministry with teenagers. I love them. But you know what? I said yes a few days later. Kind of reluctantly, I wanted to be obedient. I did. I just didn't, but I did. But I did it. And the truth is, it was a rescue. God rescued me. And he brought me to First Press. And he brought me into, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And he brought me into the story of Young Life Africa in the Middle East. And you know what? I would not trade any of it. I am so grateful because it's true. It has become exactly the case of his promise to me that any and every experience with Jesus, even the painful ones, are better than my wildest dreams. No one has taught me more about what it means to live under the lordship and kingship of Jesus than my friend Catherine Ryan. Catherine will tell you that the Lord Jesus has taken her on a joyful yet painful get-up-and-go Joseph kind of journey that would include choosing what she didn't choose over and over and over again. 
Because God put on Catherine's heart to do something for foster children a couple of years ago. She had no interest at the time in fostering a child, but wanted to help in the whole problem and all the issues there. But God took Catherine's dream to be a mother and expanded it into such a place that he was able to infuse into her the dream to actually foster a child. So she did. And she had a baby right away that she fostered, but she only had him for a few days. And then, as you all know, God gave her the opportunity to foster baby honor, just a few days old. And she's been raising him since he was a few days old all the way to almost two years now, 21 months. But on Thursday, the judge made a decision, even though it didn't look like the mother was truly ready, the judge made a decision and struck the gavel that baby Honor needed to be reunited with his mother. So on Friday morning, Catherine, having raised this little guy, had to take Honor and present Honor to his mother. But you know what Catherine did? As painful as this was, Catherine said to the mother, thank you for bringing honor into the world. And I want you to know that I am praying for you and praying for honor and that I love honor. And because I love honor, I love you too. She was able to say that. Catherine demonstrated her allegiance to Jesus by choosing to do this very, very hard thing. As a result, God took a painful experience and created something large, something she could never have expected because God then has used Catherine to start foster love in our church so that we as a church can align around what is on the center of God's heart for his children who don't have a home and don't have families. But also, Catherine has been asked by officials in our state to help write a bill that would benefit every foster child. It's incredible. And now, countless numbers of foster children who don't even know Catherine's name, have never even seen her before, are going to receive the blessing of her yes to King Jesus. Hmm. What are you going to say to King Jesus as you celebrate him this Christmas? Is he your king? As a follower of Jesus, does he have your allegiance? Do you sense as his follower, that he is asking you to choose to do something that you would not normally choose to do. If you are not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that he has been calling your name since before you were born. And Jesus said it this way, Look, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and we will have a meal together as friends. Following Jesus means giving all that you know of yourself to all that you know of him. Beginning a relationship with the one who wants you to call him Savior. But you need to know this. He's also asking you for your loving and loyal allegiance. And whether you are a follower of Jesus or you're just thinking about it, you know what's better than our wildest dreams? What's better is that when Jesus is king, he will lead you and gift to you His peace, his joy, his hope, and his love, even in the midst of the hardest of circumstances. Joseph knew that. Catherine knows that. And I'm here to tell you it is true. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you just call us. You're king, you're Lord, and yet you are so gentle and kind in the way that you call us to yourself and invite us into being your subjects, loyal, loving, allegiant subjects. Father, as followers of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to wake up to you as king this Christmas and to be open to your dreams for our lives, even to be open to choosing to do the things that we would never choose for ourselves. And Lord, I pray for the one who might be sitting here this morning or online that is just tapping at the door with you, considering the truth that you are Savior and King, that you are our rescuer, and that you've rescued us all from everything in us that is broken and hurting. Oh, Father, would you give that man or woman or child the courage to say yes to you as Lord and as King. In Jesus' name, the Messiah, Mashiach, Christos, Jesus King. Amen. And now, my friends, our children, the littlest ones who were not in the pageant yesterday, are going to continue to sing God's goodness and truth into our hearts, his love, his peace, his joy, and his hope. You're going to experience all of that as you experience them right now. to get a picture.
and have a great, big, happy, happy Christmas week. We'll see you on Christmas.